name's Will McHenry. I'm the program associate at Ponars Eurasia, and with us today is Brian Taylor, professor of political science in the Maxwell School at Syracuse University. Brian, thank you so much for joining me for this Ponars podcast. What are Putin's domestic policy goals for his fourth term as Russian president? If we look at the goals that Putin has stated publicly, both last March uh, in the run-up to his election and then in May, the series of decrees that came out following his election, we see an emphasis on what Putin described as a decisive leap in development and the creation of a modern system of effective governance. More concretely, he argued that Russia should in the next uh, six years become one of the top five economies in the world and that growth should increase higher than the world average. The government has set out the goal of increasing productivity by 5% a year while keeping inflation less than 4% per year and also increasing life expectancy to 80 by the year 2030. Currently, it's around 72 and a half years. And then there was a series of other goals laid out in more concrete sectors that they hope to achieve. I should emphasize that these are the publicly stated goals. There are also important domestic political issues, such as what's going to happen when the end of his term comes in 2024. But in terms of the publicly stated domestic strategy of Putin and Prime Minister Medvedev, it focuses on this uh, creation of a modern system of effective government and this big leap in development. How likely is the Russian government to achieve these goals? One of the things both Putin and Medvedev have stressed in their public statements is the importance of the achievement of macroeconomic stability in recent years. And by macroeconomic stability, they mean things like low inflation, uh, running a budget surplus, relatively low international debt. And that is indeed an important achievement of the Russian government in recent years, and it shows the influence of a group of people within the government, often referred to as the systemic liberals, who put a high priority on this macroeconomic stability. On the other hand, if we look at other economic news, I think the situation is less positive. If we look over the last five or 10 years, living standards have declined for the last five years in a row for the average Russian. And if we look at economic growth over the last 10 years, it's averaged less than 1%, and even less than that if we look at over the last five years. Economic forecasts going forward, both by international organizations and by Russian official bodies, as well as Russian independent economists, suggest that growth in Russia up to 2025 should be less than 2% a year. And this would put it well below the world predicted average of 35 to 4% growth a year. So in terms of achieving the goal of growing faster than the average world growth, it doesn't look like they have much of a prospect of doing that. Furthermore, they have specific goals of increasing investment and increasing productivity. These were also goals set out in 2012 at the beginning of Putin's third term, and they made no progress on those goals in his third term from 2012 to 2018. And therefore, it doesn't seem likely that they're going to have the big jumps that they're asking for through 2024-2025. Finally, on that note, what are the political obstacles to a Russian economic breakthrough? I think it's important to understand that Russia's economic problems are at heart really political problems. It's hard to have high growth at the level they're talking about 
for an upper middle income country like Russia without better political institutions, stronger rule of law, better control over corruption, better protection of property rights. Those sorts of institutional features are really necessary for making the breakthrough that they talk about. I, I think there's a, a hope or a belief among some in the Russian government that they can get by without making these larger political and institutional change through what they would refer to as technocratic reforms, bringing in specialists and giving them some authority in very, very narrowly constrained areas. The problem is to have the type of governance breakthrough they're talking about, you need to change not just some of the players, but change the entire rules that underpin the system and make these sorts of institutional changes that I described earlier. It's also the case that if we look throughout the Russian government, although there has been some influx of technocratic reformers in the government, in some areas in the regions, maybe in parts of the presidential administration, there's also been a lot of personnel stagnation in important areas. Obviously, this starts at the top with Putin and Medvedev, but if we look at law enforcement and security, for example, which is important for the development of small business and how uh, the economy is regulated by the law enforcement structures, we see a lot of continuity in the police, in the prosecutor's office, in the security services, in the security council, in the investigative committee, most of these people have been working with Putin for quite a long time, some of them even going back decades and decades to the KGB or St. Petersburg. Similarly, if we look at some of the dominant state-controlled corporations, such as Gazprom, or Rosneft, or Transneft, which controls pipelines, or Sparebank, which is the largest state bank, or Rostec, which is the large military-industrial conglomerate, all of those state corporations are also in the hands of Putin loyalists who he's known for decades. So both in terms of changing the players and changing the rules of the game, so far, almost one year into Putin's sec or fourth term, we don't see the sorts of change that might lead to this type of transformation of the Russian economy. Finally, I think it's important to note that the international environment is not particularly conducive to this big breakthrough in growth. In particular, the relation, the state of relations with the West and Western sanctions against Russia mean that the Russian government for several years now has been working on building up its resilience to deal with international sanctions in terms of macroeconomic stability, in terms of reducing their dependence on the dollar. Those sorts of economic moves probably hurt future growth pro growth prospects as they try and retreat in some limited ways from international trade and international finance to make them more resilient against international sanctions. I also should mention, uh, to close, this whole problem of what's going to happen as we approach the end of Putin's fourth term and him not being able to stay as president without some constitutional change or some type of uh, big political maneuver to make it possible to him for him to stay in charge, I think means many of the top players in the system will be focused on those sorts of issues rather than on increasing investment, increasing productivity, greater spending in healthcare, and those sorts of more narrow reforms that would be necessary for the breakthrough. So I think the prognosis for the next six years, at least in terms of these domestic political goals that they've set out, is not breakthrough, but in fact, stagnation. Fascinating. Brian, thank you so much for joining me for this podcast. Thank you.